Hi, podcast people. Hi, community Elko. Um, it's good to be here today. Uh, my name is JJ. I am uh, from Reno. I'm from a church in Reno called Living Stones. Um, Living Stones is, um, well, it's a church, and it's a church that wants to plant other churches, and, and so that's where I'm coming from. Um, in the vein of wanting to plant other churches, we heard about what's going on here, and um, some of the elders at Living Stones are really behind this thing, and I'm really behind this thing, and we want to come here, and every now and then I'll hopefully be able to come here and preach a little bit, and um, joining two guys in the Fellowship of the Saints, and what you guys are doing here. Um, so that's me, uh, I'm JJ, and uh, what I'd like to do is uh, I want to pray one more time for myself, because uh, I tend to get long-winded, because um, people give me microphones, and I go and go. Um, and so I want to pray for myself, and I w- then I want to give you guys an opportunity to pray for me, and so that way we can you know, kind of join each other, and we'll see what God will do through the power of His Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray. So please join with me in prayer, and then I'll give you an opportunity to pray for me. Um, Jesus, I am honored to be here, and I have been reminded time and again that I, um, I am so much about myself, and I want to look really good when I'm up here, and I want to preach to a lot of people, and I want a lot of people to come, and I want you to bring down fire, and, and I just want all these things to happen, and, and I do, and I don't think those things are bad, but God, I think in them, um, there's just some, some ailments of my heart that, that really want to make it about me, and so I just confess that to you, and I just ask that you'd forgive me of that, and I repent of, of self-sufficiency in this time. God, I, I just want to ask that I would remember the things that, I have, uh, that, that your Spirit has given me to prepare for, uh, grant that the enemy would not steal uh, them from me. Now, if you all would please just uh, take a minute and pray for me that uh, what I deliver to you, I would remember, and that it would be understandable for you. Jesus, thank you for this time. I pray that in your name. Amen. Okay, um, thanks for coming out. Uh, There's one thing I want to clear up. There's been a lot of talk about an enemy going on here, and I want to clear that up for some of you who are very maybe unsure of what that means, unsure of who that is. The enemy is Satan. He was an angel who rebelled against God because he wanted God's glory. Now, because he still wants God's glory, what he does is when the people of God come together to push into an area where they want to see God move and where they want to see God's effect, Satan, because he wants God's glory, he pushes it back against them. And so when we say that the enemy is attacking, it's because things are happening that make it very inconvenient for us to push uh, God's kingdom forward. And so that's what, what, what we mean by that. Um, what we're going to do tonight, um, we're going to... Uh, I'm going to preach to you about God's love from 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. And um, so uh, I've only been to Elko like two, three times now. Uh, last night I ate out at the Star. You guys go there very often. It's a pretty good place. Did you know that you can get like extra garlic there? Okay, so <laughs> I got a plate with no joke, an inch like high pile of garlic and then beans, right? So I'm sure you can figure out so that's kind of gross. You guys are like, ew, but right. So I got beans and garlic, um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, and I noticed that in Elko, there's more like Ford F-150s than there are people. And I don't know if that was like something you planned on, but I was pretty impressed. I'm driving down a neighborhood. I'm just like, one, two, three, there's more cars than houses. And so I was amazed by that. Uh, but I'm glad to be here. Uh, I really am. And I hope that I can preach you guys and you guys can be edified. So if you uh, have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Um, I'm going to make a bold claim. And it's one that I don't really need to back up. I think it's one that you all really kind of get and understand. And it's this. Uh, we're all looking for love. Um, and I think that we all get that. And if you don't believe that, I'll just throw out some, some numbers here. 90% of people end up getting married. 
That's like a huge amount. 90% means you get an A in high school, right? And so some of you deadbeats are like, oh, it's I could get an A. And so maybe in life you can get an A and be part of the 90% that actually get married. So a lot of people are looking for companionship. They're looking for marriage. They're looking for this kind of thing. And really, I think when you boil it all down, we're looking uh, for love. We're looking for love. Now, there's really only two places you can get love. Three, if you're kind of, you know, really out there. You can get love from animals, you know, like pets and stuff like that, which is great. But it's, it's not really love, you know. It's more just like a companionship. Uh, the animal can't really provide for you. It's, it can't really return the love. So then the, the other two places you can get love are from people or from God. And so what I want to do is I want to do a little exercise to see uh, where we really ought to get our love from. And before I do that, <coughs> I, want to, uh, I want to give you this, uh, this claim. It's a claim that, as I was doing research for the sermon, I read by a man named John Wesley. John Wesley was a man who did what I want to do. He read the word, he digested the word, then he delivered the word. And that's what I do when I did the sermon, and that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to read the word, I want to digest the word, and then I want to deliver the word. And what he said, speaking about this passage that we're going to talk about tonight, he said this. God's love shines an amiable light on all his other attributes. And so what that means is that God's love makes all of his other attributes more accessible, okay? So there's a lot of, God, there, so there's a lot of attributes that God has, and just so you know, an attribute is something that makes you who you are. And so you are all dependent on God. And so what that means is you're dependent on God for air and for food. So you're dependent on God for sustenance. An attribute of God is that he is unchanging. So that, that makes up God. That is one attribute that makes God who he is. So we're going to play a little game because there's only two places we can get love, love from God or love from man. So I'm going to compare them using God's love and his other attributes. So this could be weird, but it's going to go a lot better for me and for you if you do what I ask. When I point to you, I want you to say the word lovingly. Can you do that? Okay, all right. So maybe seven of you. So remember how I said that like 90% of people get married and you really want to get the good grades? <laughs> Let's see if we can get that seven up to like whatever, 20 people are in here. Okay, ready? So when I point to you, say lovingly, okay? So we're just going to try. Ready? Lovingly. That was awesome. You guys are great. Thank you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to compare God's, something about God to, to, to man. Okay, ready? So here we go. I'm going to point to you, and you say lovingly. Ready? Here we go. God is patient. Okay? Good. Thank you. He is. God is lovingly patient. So love shines um, uh, a friendly, more accessible light on God's patience. And so that means as God is up in heaven, he's not looking down. He's not just grinding his, his wheel, waiting for an opportunity to mess something up. Okay? Because God is lovingly patient, and he's longing for you to come to know him. And so we'll do this again. Okay? Ready? I'm going to point to you. You say lovingly. Ready? JJ is patient. Okay, my fiance is over there. She's shaking her head because she knows that's not true. I'm not loving. If you cut me off and I'm driving and you get in front, I'm like, no, and I will like speed up and I will honk my horn and she will get mad at me and tell me to stop because that doesn't actually help the situation, but I'm not lovingly patient. I hate when that happens. Get in this lane. So, okay, so I hate when that happens, all right? So we'll try another one, okay? So I point to you, you say lovingly, all right? God is just, okay? So justice is an attribute that God has. And so what that means is that God will give you what you deserve. Okay? And so if you're a Christian, you've been to church for a while, you know there's something called sin, and you know that that sin separates you from God. And so God giving you what you deserve is that distance that you have chosen from him. But remember, God is lovingly just. And in God's justice and in God's love, and he provides time for you, and he never exceeds the mark of his justice. So God never does something to you that you don't, deserve. 
God never does something to you that you haven't worked for. God never does something to you that, that, that you've like, sinned a whole bunch, and, or maybe you're just a decent person. You can flatten the freeway. You're like, no! Okay, God doesn't ever like, exceed the mark of his justice. Okay, so we're going to try it again. Okay, ready? JJ is just. That is not true. Okay, that is not true at all. I'm not very just. I'm, I really don't give people what they deserve. Um, if, if I'm just having a bad day and you do something that is just convenient for you and a little bit inconvenient for me, I am mad. I am livid, and I can't stand you, and I ignore you, and it's just over between you and I for the day, okay? So I am not willing to just. And I think that we could easily say that that's like that for the rest of us. But I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say that you are lovingly patient, and you are lovingly just, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some of God's attributes that we don't have. So I point to you. You say lovingly. Here we go. Ready? God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, okay? So what that means is God is, God has all the power, God has all the knowledge, and God is everywhere in all time and in all um, space. But remember, he's lovingly in those things because God's light shines an amiable, no, uh, God's love shines an amiable light on all of his other attributes. And so God is lovingly everywhere. And so this is, you know, there's a wound I'm going to step in for a minute. If you have been sinned against in some way, it's really hurt you, God is lovingly present in that situation, okay? And it's difficult and it's hard. Sometimes I get texts from Nathan about people like committing suicide, Stuff's, stuff's happening. A lot of people are like getting hurt, okay? That's really hard to understand, but I want to encourage you to remember that God is lovingly present in those situations, okay? So God is lovingly there. God is lovingly has all the knowledge. Your hearts are open to God as the light of day, okay? And that can be very comforting or very disturbing, okay? Because sometimes we have motives that drive us that are less than, uh, less than perfect, and we want a lot of stuff from God that we don't deserve. And so God is lovingly aware of what's going on in your heart, okay? And so that, that can be encouraging because even though God's aware of it, God is lovingly aware of it. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to draw you guys in again. Ready? So when I point to you, say lovingly. JJ is losing his car keys. JJ's lovingly losing his car keys, okay? So my point is, is God is like all the power, all the knowledge. He's everywhere. And I lose my car keys, okay? And so are the rest of you. And so the point is, is like if you're looking for love, you need to find it in God instead of man because God's light shine, God's love shines its light on all of his other attributes. And so God's love informs all of who he is. And God is, has all the power and he's everywhere um, and he's in all places and he's patient and he's just and he's kind. And we lose our car keys and we lose our tempers and we fly off the handle, okay? So even for a little loving, that love does not inform all of our attributes, okay? So we need to find love in God. And like I said, we're all searching for love. It's pretty easy to know that we need to find it in God. Okay, so now, um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to, we already, have, I already said this like four times, sorry. Here we go, anyway, so, <clears throat> all right, so now the question is, where do we find it? What is it? Okay, how do we make, how do we see, find God's love? So I'm going to read this to us, 1 John 4, chapter 10, uh, in the 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay? So this is a complex text. There's a lot in here about God's love. And uh, this is making a huge claim. It's saying, in this is love. So in this message that I'm delivering to you tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the sovereign word of God is love. Now, some of you might not be convinced that like, you need love. Some of you think you're okay. But I think what you're searching for can really be boiled down to God. Remember, God is love, all right? You're looking for a place to put your heart. 
Your heart is the seat of your emotions, your wills, and your desires. That's where, you, that's where all that stuff is, is, is found, all right? And so you need a place to put that. Otherwise, you can put it in all kinds of different places. And so we need to find out. And so the, the, this text here is saying that in this is love. And so God, who is eternally preexistent, um, ordained a man named John who lived 2,000 years ago to write down this text and to make this claim that in this is love. Okay, so let me drink a water and let's, let's dive into this text. Okay, in this is love. Now what does it say? What's, what's that word? I want you guys to say it with me. What's that word after love? In this is love. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> Plane crash. Okay, ready? Okay, I, maybe I didn't give you a good enough cue. This time I'm going to point, okay? In this is love. Not. Not. I don't know if you guys get how big of a deal that is, because we're looking for uh, love here, right? And the first thing that this author does, John, is he starts out with a negative. He says, in this is love, not that we have loved God. So what this is, this is called a non-example. All right, so I teach uh, kids who are learning disabled, and so what I have to do is I have to give them an example of the subject and then a non-example so they have something to compare it with. And so we see here a non-example of God's love, and it says, not that we have loved God. That's a big, big deal, okay? I don't know if you guys get, quite get that because I think some of you don't really understand what love is and you think in your minds love is something you have for your mom or for your dog or for your wife, okay? It can be, but biblically speaking, okay, and just this is, this is my authority. I'm preaching to you from this book because this is my authority and I believe it should be everyone's authority here. Love is not an emotion of the decision, okay? Biblically speaking, you sacrifice for and you obey what you love. Okay? So you might have some feelings for your dog, but you, and you might sacrifice for your dog. So I think it's okay to say that you have some love for your dog. Certainly if you have a husband or a wife, you need to sacrifice for them and obey them too. Um, but biblically speaking, you sacrifice for and you obey what you love. And so when we look up to God, and that this text says not that we have loved God. Okay, now the gloves are going to come off for a little bit. All right, I'm just going to deliver truth to you from the scripture. All right, so when this text says not that we have loved God, we have to really wrestle with that because what the text is saying is not that we have ever sacrificed for or obeyed God. And this is a huge, this should be huge, and I really pray God by the Holy Spirit reveal this to them, that you would see that you are born into a state of rebellion. You do not love God. Okay, so let's look at Romans, the book of Romans. It's just to the left. We're going to look at Romans 3 and go through a few verses here. And then I'm going to explain uh, what the Bible says. And then I will jump into um, what it says after this, which is the good stuff. So Romans chapter 3, start at verse 10. Okay, so I said, gloves are coming off here a little bit, all right? Just uh, sit there. Let's do this thing. As it is written... None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. Okay, so, none is righteous, no, not one. No, no, no one understands, no one seeks for God. So what this really means is that you're born into the state of rebellion where you don't understand God and you don't seek for God. So if I'm born into my parents' house and I don't understand them, I don't seek an answer, it's like I'm just running in the wrong direction. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does, does good, no, no, not even one. Okay, so you're born into this state where you don't love God. You don't sacrifice for God. You don't obey God. And you have turned aside for God. And watch this. Listen up. Everyone who's not watching, listen. You are worthless to God. You get that? God the Father who created you has called you worthless to God. Why? 
If I have a kid, he's not worthless. I love my kid. I don't have a kid, but I don't want him to be worthless to me. What happened? Why are we worthless to God? Before any of you were born, there was something they called the fall. Okay, so there is, we're, we're all pretty familiar with this story. There was, there was a, um, Adam and Eve in the garden. And they, they made a choice that represented all of our choices at that time because they were the ones who were the authorities uh, over humanity at the time, okay? And they, choo- they chose to disobey God. And when they did, the effects of that decision have reverberated all the way to here. And so now, this happens all the time. When we watch TV, I'll cite this example, we just flip past those commercials of people suffering. And we're worthless to God. You want to know why? Because we were created to st- we, we are here to steward God's creation. And if part of God's creation is broken and suffering, it's incumbent on us to help it. But we don't because we're worthless. We're worthless to God. But there's an answer, okay? Hang with me. We're going to get there. Um, turn with me back to 1 John chapter 4. Okay, so not that we have loved God. We don't love God because we don't obey Him. We don't sacrifice for Him, all right? <clears throat> but watch this. This is what God does, okay? Not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins, okay? God loved us. So we don't love God, but God loved us. And so here's what he does. He sends his son to be propitiation for our sins. Now, we need to break down a couple things. We need to talk about sin, and we need to talk about propitiation, because we need to know what the heck those two words mean if we're going to understand what's happening here. So remember, love is not an emotion, but love is a decision. So God decides that in his love, he's going to carry out a decision for us. Okay, so uh, do you remember how I was saying that God is lovingly blank? God is lovingly blank? Okay, so I'm going to play the game again. I'm going to point to you. You say lovingly, all right? Ready? God is just. Okay, so in his justice, God looks down, and he sees that Adam and Eve sinned, and then that that effect has reverberated on down through mankind, and here we are now where we sin. Uh, We sin by not doing what we should, and we sin by doing things we shouldn't do. And so God, in his justice, sees that this is happening, and he knows that uh, there has to be a payment for it. And here's why. Everyone in this room has been sinned against, haven't you? Okay? So some of you who are, are older have been sinned against in worse ways than some of you who are younger. Okay? But everyone in this room has been sinned against. And God being a God of justice, God loving his creation, is going to bring you justice. He's going to bring you justice. Now here's the flip side. Everyone in this room has sinned against someone else. Haven't you? Okay? Um, if you uh, don't believe me, um, let's just see here. There are times when you know you should help someone and you don't. You sin against that person. There are times when you act a certain way towards somebody you know is, you know is wrong, you sin against that person. Okay, so you too have sinned against someone and God is going to bring them justice. Well, you did the sinning. And so God has to have a payment from you. Okay, so God, uh, in his loving justice, sent Jesus to be that payment, okay? So let's think about this. God is in heaven. He's just. He's a judge. The Old Testament calls him a judge. He's in heaven, and he's looking down at humanity, and he delivers a verdict. He says, humanity, you are guilty. You are worthless. You have sinned against me by choice, and then by not choosing you have sinned against me. I am just. I will bring justice to my creation. My wrath is coming. So God's wrath is coming at us, but then you know what God does? God says, but I love you. I am lovingly justice. Here comes my wrath, but I remember my love. Jesus, I send you. And Jesus comes, and he stands here, and here comes God's wrath, and wham, it hits you. But wait, does it? God sent Jesus, and so here it is. Wham, it hits Jesus instead. Okay, so there's, uh, the Bible would break down two classes of people. There's someone who stands here, 
God's wrath is coming, and they stand in the path of God's wrath, and they die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There's a first death and a second death. The first death is physically. The second death is spiritual when God casts you away from his presence, and that's called hell, all right? And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. A lot of us in here uh, struggle with that. I struggle with that also, okay? Here's something that I wanted to show you guys while I'm here, okay? I'm not here, up here preaching at you guys. This is where I am. Okay, you watching? I'm over here because these are hard truths for me also. I struggle with this. I read the Bible, and, uh, and it says in Psalm 19 that God's word is refined uh, as silver seven times. And so if silver is refined seven times, you look at it, you're looking in a mirror. And so I see these words here also condemning me. And I go, wait a minute, God. If your wrath is coming at me, how do I, how do I move? And, and so if you're here, your wrath is coming at me, what you do is you stand behind Jesus. And that's what a propitiation is. A propitiation is someone that stands between you and God's wrath. And God's wrath hits the propitiation and it's absorbed there. And so God looks down, and this is his love. Remember, so, so let's not get confused here. I'm not just like preaching at you guys. I'm telling you what God's love is. God's love is a demonstration. It's a decision. We have God looking down, saying like, there, I will bring justice because in God's justice, you also see his love. And part of his love is going to be a display of his justice. So as he brings justice... He knows that there, there has to be an answer because you can't pay for your own sins. And so Jesus steps in the path, wham, okay? It hits Jesus instead. Um, <clears throat> okay, that's right. All right, so um, here's the rub, okay? We being sinful, we don't always understand why this is such a big deal, okay? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you guys are like me in that when something happened 2,000 years ago, you don't necessarily think it affects you now. Is that the case? Is anyone, does everyone wake up in the morning and go like, well, that's Caesar, conquered Gaul, it's rad. I'm going to do something great because of it. All right, well, it's, geez, the, 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 I don't know, the, that coat of Hammurabi. Okay, look, it, things happened 2,000 years ago. We tend to forget. We wake up in the morning, we're just like, dude, I need cornflakes. All right, he's waking up in the morning, he's going to get cornflakes, okay? So we're kind of like short-sighted. So here's the thing. Like, if I tell you that God's love is demonstrated <clears throat> in sending his son to be a propitiation, so basically if God's love is demonstrated in sending his son to, like, just get demolished and pounded by his wrath, if that's how God's love is demonstrated, how does that affect us now, okay? Because some people, like, you know, some, some sons commit suicide, you know? Why? Where's God's love in that, okay? Some people lose jobs. Some people's houses blow up. I haven't heard of that one. Like, what, what happens? Where is God's love there, okay? So I want, us, I want to create a word picture in your mind. I'm going to kind of divide the stage here, okay? So there's common grace on this side, and there's special grace over here. Common grace, special grace. Common grace is something that God has for all mankind. Okay, and so you ask, how does this picture of love, how is it demonstrated over here? Because um, I lost my job, and I can't pay my bills, and things are really hard. Well, there's something called God's common grace. And God's common grace to all mankind is that if you've lost your job, you can find another one. You have family and friends that can help you. Okay, you, you in, in, this, in this country, you can get help from the government if you need to. You can start collecting unemployment. All those things are given to us by God's common grace. But the real question is, like, okay, so I get that, that can be, God's love can be seen in that, but that doesn't really, you know, and, and that's all well and good, but I want to tell you about special grace now, okay? So there's common grace, which is kind of common for all mankind, but then there's something called special grace, okay? Now here's how I wanted to demonstrate this. I, there's a lot of young people. I don't think know how many people in here are parents. There are a few parents in here, okay? But so you all at least had parents. All right, so do you remember how sometimes, like, um, 
you would bring your friends over to your house, and maybe your mom was there, and you guys had food laying around. It was like a Saturday, and your parents just kind of cooked food from all, and you guys would hang out and enjoy yourselves. Remember some of that stuff? Okay. So that's like common grace, okay? If your parents are good parents, and they see like a bunch of kids, and kids are, they, they like their kids, they enjoy their kids, and they want their kids to be happy, and they want kids to be happy, period. You know, uh, if, if you bring a bunch of kids over to your parents' house, your mom and your dad, you might cook for them, um, give them what they need, maybe even have a sleepover, provide for them, shelter them. That's like God's common grace, okay? Because parents typically enjoy kids. So we see God's common grace and how your parents would just be nice to your friends. But your parents, um, like, so, so that's, that's your friends. And now let's think about over here with how your parents relate to you with special grace, okay? Your parents extend patience to you constantly. Your parents provide for you. Your parents sacrifice for you way more than they sacrifice for your friends. That's special grace, okay? If you have special grace, you still have common grace because your parents are still going to be nice to you and give you the things that you need. And so if you're over here just like, how does this thing happen 2,000 years ago? Help me now. It helps you now because if, if this is your stance over here, you're only under common grace. You're only under a place where God just kind of gives things to you just because he is a nice, provident God. But if you're over here in special grace, the way this, ha- this helps you now is, is God has sheltered you by his son, Jesus. And God gives you special grace, grace that he doesn't just give to everybody, grace that he only gives to his children. And that is a God-sized love, okay? It's one thing to look at this and say, wow, that's some kind of a demonstration. But over here, you're saying that that doesn't really help you when you're over here, maybe you lost your job. Well, God giving you another job is helpful, but it's not really God-sized. Because God, there's companies out there, okay, that that, that can give you a a job. It's not necessarily God-sized. But if I tell you over here that God sent his very own son to stand in the place of his wrath for you, that's God sized. That's God sized. Do you want common or do you want special? Because special is God sized. So if you're over here, you're wondering, like, you know, this story is neat and interesting, but I don't really know if I buy into it. You're over here in the realm of common grace. If you're over here under the realm of special grace, God still has common grace upon you, still provides for you, still loves you, but you are special to God now. Because when He sees you, He sees His Son Jesus. <coughs> Okay, um, so talking about God's love, and we talked about how we do not love God, we talked about how God loves us and his demonstration is sending his son Jesus, and his son Jesus provides us a way into special grace, where we still have all the things that God gives us, but we also have God's very special attention and care. All right, um, let's talk about, so if you have your Bibles, go to verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read them, and we're going to talk about how this applies to this fellowship here. Okay, verse 11. Uh, Verse 11 and 12. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God's love abides in us and is perfected in us. Okay, here's why I think this is really powerful for this little gathering. You guys decided to call yourselves Community Elko. And if you didn't decide to call yourselves Community Elko, you're still coming to Community Elko. And if you are coming to Community Elko regularly, it's because you agree with what's going on here. What you have called yourselves and calling yourselves Community Elko, you are calling yourselves a community, which is a biblical 
practice. You've named yourselves after a biblical practice that is seen in this verse. I'm going to read it one more time. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God has loved you, there's a few things I want to pull out of this verse. First of all, God calls you beloved, okay? You are loved of God if you are in Christ, okay? Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you're going to call yourselves Community Elko, I want you to consider what God has done for you in sending his son and how he sacrificed his son for you. That demonstration of love. Now think about that demonstration of love also happening for everyone around you in this fellowship. And so maybe what that could look like is you sacrifice for one another. What that means? Sacrifice time. Sacrifice money. I think sacrifice emotional availability. Um, I just want to think about something, call something out here. Um, in my conversations I've had with people about Elko, I find that, uh, if this is true, um, I, I find that you all kind of very, you keep to yourselves. <coughs> you don't necessarily get you don't pay your, quote, relational rent. And what that means is you don't really spend the time or the money to get really invested into people's lives and form those long bonds. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you do. But if you don't, you can't really call yourself a community because you're not sacrificing your emotional, um, you, you're not giving those people what they need emotionally. So maybe you can give them time and hang out with them, but do you ever really ask what's going on? Like if people's houses are blowing up and people are committing suicide, those are huge emotional things that we need as Christians to step into. Why? Because as David was talking about, we are God's ambassadors. If you're a Christian in this room, God has sent you to be an ambassador of his word. God didn't send the government to heal the wounds of the world. God didn't send anybody else. He sent Christians. We are his plan A and there is no plan B. We have his Holy Spirit. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you're going to come to this fellowship. We really just want to give you that challenge. It is incumbent on you if God has so loved you, you also ought to love one another in that way. So don't invasively ask questions, but ask questions. How are you? That thing that happened, how is it going? Do you need help? How can we have fun together, okay? So think about these types of questions. Um, I think uh, I also want to read uh, this verse here. No one has ever seen this verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. <coughs> So this is an interesting verse. Right, it starts off with saying no one has ever seen God. It's because it says in 1 Timothy 6, 16 that, God's that God is invisible and he dwells in unapproachable light. No one's ever seen God. Okay? Um, but watch what it says. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I think what John is saying here is that if you abide in God, since no one has ever seen God, um, people get to see God by watching you all love each other. Okay, and uh, here's what I want to show you. It's in, it's in the book of Acts. It's chapter 2. If you have Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. That's to the left. How are you guys doing? Is it with me out there? Yeah, okay. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 49. Okay, so <clears throat> I want to read this to you because there are two, two places, two things where we get, where we as people get to see God, okay? And we get to see him in community, through the church, and we get to see him through Christ. Two places, the church and Christ, okay? So this is a church. This is a gathering of people. The church is not a, a place. The church is a people, okay? The church is God's people throughout time that worship Jesus. If you are someone who worships Jesus, you are part of the church with a giant capital C, Okay? So two places that God is seen because God is invisible, but God has attributes that we can look at and go, that's what God is. 
So two places those are seen. One, the church. The second is Christ. Let's talk about the church. Okay, so what happened here is, Jesus, is Peter just preached this sermon, and then 3,000 people became Christians in one day. And then this is what their lives looked like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. So an attribute of God we see there is we see God's wisdom. Okay? Um, you all, if God, if, God's, if you love one another and God's love abides in you and God's love is perfected in you and people look at you, they see God. One of the attributes they see is they see God's wisdom and God's instruction. Okay? Because if you're here listening to the Bible being preached, you're listening to God's wisdom. So hopefully when you go out from this place, you put these precepts into your lives and into practice, and people see God's wisdom. Okay, so let's, let's go on. Um, so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer, to the breaking of bread <coughs> and prayers. And so here you begin to see God's providence, the breaking of bread, okay? You see how God provides. And this is a big one I don't want you to miss. People can get a sense of God's presence as you pray. Um, I want to be a man who at the end of his life, if God gives me a long life, I want to be the kind of man who as he walks, people get a sense of God's aroma and God's presence and God's fragrance. Why? Because I've spent all my life in the Word and in prayer. And I want people to see and feel God's presence in my life, and I want people to see and feel God's presence here. So uh, people, can see, people can get a sense of God's presence in you. And uh, this is verse 43, <clears throat> And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So as you love one another, if you're a Christian, as you love one another, and God's love abides in you, and God's love is perfected in you, people see God's power. Okay, awe falls upon them and many wonders and miracles can be done. So people will see God's power. Verse 44. Um, and all who believe were together and had all things in common. So here we get to see God's unity. Not uniformity, okay? It doesn't mean you have to dress. And when it says that all people had everything in common, it doesn't mean they all have to dress the same. It doesn't mean they have to speak the same. It doesn't mean they have to think the same. But that does mean that they have a unity to them. Okay? And, and, and that's one of God's attributes also. Unity, so because God is preexistent in a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, and they are united. And so, um, as you guys, as you love one another, and God's love abides in you, is perfected in you, uh, people see God's unity. Verse forty-five, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So you see God's generosity here. Okay, so as you work out, uh, as you work your, out your salvation with fear and trembling, and you as a community love one another. You see God's generosity. God's generosity is seen here. And day by day, attending the temple, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad, um, with, with glad and generous hearts. Okay, so, so you begin to see God's humility. I, I don't know if this ever occurred to you, but Jesus is actually really meek. Jesus is very teachable. Jesus, Jesus is in a place of submission and compliance under God the Father. Jesus is meek, okay? And so you guys, as you love one another, and God's love is in you, and God's love is perfected in you, you begin to take on the, uh, God's humility, okay? You begin to take on aspects of his humility, and people can see that in your lives. Praising God and having favor, uh, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the, uh, um, so, so here we see God's favor bestowed upon you. And then here's the last one. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. <clears throat> if you are a community, 
who has God's love in them, you begin to see God's call. How much do you guys want that? Like, like seriously. Like, do you wake up in the morning and do you want that? And I, I don't want you to say, yeah. Because you went to church in, this morning, you're like, yeah. I don't want you to say that. Like, seriously, take stock of your life. Do you wake up in the morning and have an angst in your soul to see people become Christians? To see God's presence manifested in the city? Like, seriously, do you want that? I hope you do, and I hope you're not lying if you're shaking your head or uh, nodding your head. Because I, I don't know you, but I'll tell you right now, if you love God, that love is accompanied by sacrifice and obedience. So I have to ask this question. What are you sacrificing for, and, and how are you obeying the Lord in order to see uh, this community and this city and other communities in this city in order to see them really affected by God's call? <clears throat> Okay, um, last thing we're going to talk about is how this is seen in Jesus. Come with me to John 14. We're going to look at verses 30 and 31 in John 14. <clears throat> this is Jesus talking, okay? And so this is what I'm talking about. When I'm, when I'm talking about a demonstration of God's love, here it is. We're seeing it in Jesus right now. Two places that you get to see God because God is invisible and he dwells in unapproachable light. Two places that people get to see God, community and Christ. So here we're seeing God's attributes manifested in Christ, okay? So watch this demonstration of love. This is Jesus' last night on planet earth okay uh, well the, last night before he died he just got done eating with his disciples and what he said there is i have earnestly desired to eat this meal with you okay because for the last three years jesus has been ministering it's been difficult for him he spent he had many sleepless nights just in prayer and he really wanted just to take this time and eat with his disciples okay and so here we so here they ate they just got done eating dinner and now he's walking with them up to this uh the, this uh, garden it's called the garden of gethsemane and so as he's up there, he's delivering this uh, message to them. And this is one of the things that he says. He just got done talking about the love of the Father and the Son. And this is how we see God's love. In verse 30, this is what Jesus says. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Okay, so we have to break that down for a minute. So Jesus is about to take that step in front of God's wrath for you. And the, rule, the ruler of this world is coming, and God has given dominion of this world over to sin, Satan, and death until he completely redeems it in Christ. And so Jesus is coming to take that blow from sin, Satan, and death. He goes, the ruler of this world is coming. And watch what he says right here. This is, really, this is amazing here. He has no claim on me. So this isn't Jesus stepping in to that place because, um, because Jesus has like a meeting with sin, Satan, and death. He's not like, I have to go make that meeting. No, he's going because he's choosing. God's sending him and he's choosing to be there. Satan doesn't have any authority over Jesus. He doesn't. But he's stepping in that place for a reason. We're going to see what it is right here. Verse 31. But I do as the Father has commanded me. So Jesus did it because God commanded him to. And I'm going to finish this verse. So that the world may know that I love the Father. So Jesus is doing this because he loves God. And so we see this restoration 
happening. So we don't love God, but Jesus loves God. So what does Jesus do? Jesus obeys God. And how is that obedience seen? It's seen in Jesus stepping in between God's wrath and us. So two places that, that, that God's um, love is seen is in community and Jesus here. So he's stepping in front of God's wrath. Now look what he says here, this last line. Rise, let us go from here. And so I want to use this as an invitation to you, Community Elko. Um, my desire is to see you rise from this place and go out from this place with God's love upon you, desiring God's love and desiring to see that. Um, let's pray. God, um, I know that I am an imperfect vessel to deliver this. And what my prayer is, Lord, is that um, you would take this message and that you would um, use it for your glory and for your namesake. God, I pray that your words would not return void, but that you would um, move into the hearts of these people, God. I pray that they would work so that um, your love can be seen. Please do a work in this, set, in this town, Lord. Please do a work in the hearts of these people. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.